It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Love of the Star podcast. I'm Bobby Belt, Dallas Cowboys insider for 105.3 The Fan in Dallas. That is your radio flagship home of the Dallas Cowboys. Joined, as always, by Brian Broaddus, former Super Bowl winning NFL scout. He is now co-host of the GVAG Nation, 2 to 7 p.m. Central, Monday through Friday on 105.3 The Fan. He is also the pre- and post-game co-host on the Dallas Cowboys radio network. And during the preseason, he's even a part-time color analyst on the Dallas Cowboys radio network. Brian, how you doing today, man? Doing well, Robert. Thank you very much. Uh, back at the uh, the grind, as they say, uh, with you know, uh, uh, interesting game this week with uh, Indianapolis. Yeah, and we'll have a lot to talk about about this Colts team. Uh, I, I look. I got to be honest. I think that when you go through these next three games leading up to Philadelphia, I, I, I know you know NFL teams are proud and they're not just going to lay over for you. Uh, but with Indianapolis, Houston, and Jacksonville coming up, if you still want a chance to win this division, you need to sweep heading into Philly, I think, on Christmas Eve. Um, so this is going to be a big stretch for the Cowboys. We're going to get into all that uh, a little bit later this week. What we're going to do today is uh, we're going to lead off with some of Brian's thoughts uh, based off the film now that he's had a chance to go back and watch some of that uh, from the Giants game on Thanksgiving. Uh, and then we'll have an extended mailbag for you guys. we got a lot of questions this week, a lot to go over uh, and it's kind of a long layover uh, between games. So uh, we want to knock out some of your most pressing questions uh, facing the Cowboys right now. But before we do that, uh, let's go ahead and jump in on the film review, Brian. Uh, the first thing I'm curious about is I felt like coming out of this game, this was the the best case we've seen yet. And I don't mean to take it negative right out of the bat, but I felt like it was the best case we've seen yet for the argument of go ahead and put Tyler, uh, Tyron Smith back in the lineup. It was a tough, tough game for Tyler Smith at left tackle. Um, you know, just had a lot of challenges. Uh, what did you see on tape? Do you think it was anything to do with the just the short layoff and, and not having any experience with that? Um, just your thoughts on Tyler Smith's play and, and what might explain away some of that. Yeah, people were asking me, Bob, about the rookie wall and is, has Tyler Smith hit the rookie wall? I don't think so. I I do buy into what you're talking about with the short week because when you watch him playing on tape, there were several times in this game where he was having to pick up a stunt, having to pick up a blitz, and you saw some late reaction to it. And you know, maybe uh, you know, with the lack of practice that they had this week, the lack of really having the game plan. We talked about Dak Prescott and you know, maybe having to put them in some different protections, some different plays. This was clearly one of Tyler Smith's not as better games. And I think the the short week had something to do with that. I'll say this, though. I feel like, though, in talking to giant uh, scouts uh, before the game, you know, they were saying that, hey, really, you know, Thibodeau has been okay and not really much more. Uh, that was by far Thibodeau's best games of the one I had seen. Uh, studying, getting ready for this. Uh, I thought he played with power. I thought he played with some quickness. I thought he put Tyler Smith in some bad spots. So, yeah, it, this was one of those 
where Tyler Smith's going to look back and say, okay, the next time I do this, uh, this is how I think I need to prepare differently in order to get ready for it. Now, when you go back and, and you watch the tape of this one, I know one of the things, one of our initial thoughts, uh, you know, seeing the game live there in person at uh, AT&T Stadium, I know we both talked a lot about how we thought Leighton Vander Esch had a pretty good game. Is that something that stood up when you got a chance to watch the tape? Absolutely. Yeah, this was one of Leighton Vander Esch's better games. And, you know, the consistency that he played throughout this game, the run, I thought he did a really nice job of avoiding blocks, getting down the hill. Uh, you know, Saquon Barkley is not an easy back to deal with. Uh, he covered well. There was some screen tackles that he made in coverage. There was a play where they tried to throw the ball down the middle of the field in a two-deep look, and he went for a deep, like the old-school Tampa 2, where you run the mic backer to the middle of the field and try and defend, and they had a crosser behind that. And Leighton was in perfect spot. Daniel Jones couldn't throw the football there, had to throw it away. So I thought overall just a really complete game for Leighton Vanderesh. Now, the other linebacker there, Damone Clark, is a guy that we've talked about a lot, that he's kind of finding his footing a little bit. Um, I, I I didn't have a huge impression of him based off of how he had played against New York, at least just watching it uh, on the first time. I, I mean, there was there was one play early in the game where they were trying to get like a swing pass out to Saquon Barkley. I think, I think it was like second, third play of the game. And he, he did an impressive job. I think you saw the speed getting over to the sideline to cut him off. Uh, but overall, did you you feel okay about how Damone Clark played? Uh, better early in this game, like you were talking about, than late. Uh, there were some times where you, you do, you're right, you see the speed, uh, you see the ability to track the ball, to get to the ball. Uh, very, I, I, When you watch him play, kind of felt like, oh, this might be one of his games that you know he gets going and really and, and shows up. But as the game wore on, there was some hesitation there. There was some... Uh, a little bit of not too sure. And I don't know if it's because of the short week for him again or having to play all these snaps, but he was a much better player in the first half of that game than he was the second half. I wouldn't say he was a bust in the second half, but there were times where you didn't see him uh, get to the ball like he had before. And there were times where you saw him get caught up in some trash that that, that limited his opportunity uh, to get to the football. The Giants had a really uh, big run uh, late, in the, late in the game. I mean, like I'm going to say third quarter, early fourth, where the ball spilled. It was like an outside run, and Van Der Esch tried to fill the best he could. You needed, uh, needed Clark to come from the backside and kind of fill. He never made it to the hole, and then it, it resulted in a big run and a big game for the Giants. So uh, it, it was good early. Uh, and not not the best finish that we could have seen from him. What is uh, what what would you say is the the biggest challenge facing Damone Clark right now? Is it just being a young player and still learning? You know how you know how he fits into this defense and learning you know different concepts and things like that within Dan Quinn's defense, or do you think it's just you know getting his feet back under him, getting you know live reps again? What would you say is the biggest challenge facing him as he's you know, trying to progress to being a reliable starter. I think it's the reps, Bobby. I think it's the opportunity, you know, and I was, I was talking to some people over in the organization about him and, and Cox and, you know, Cox is, you know, they feel like Cox for the opportunities he's had, he's done. Okay. 
Uh, he made a mistake, uh, you know, the previous week in a game, and they kind of, you know, made him kind of think a little bit about him differently. But, you know, they're really encouraged by what they have with these two young LSU linebackers. Uh, Clark obviously get more opportunity to play defense. But uh, the thing that might be holding him back is, you know, more time on task, more reps. And it'll be interesting to see how they play this with uh, when, uh, you know, they get Anthony Barr back. Well, Anthony Barr, you know, Anthony Barr is not your future. Anthony Barr is a good player. But, man, to me, I I think I would ride uh, Clark here. But coaches tend to go with what they know, and they know Clark's a veteran player, and they're going to have to win with him playing. I feel like with Barr, uh, you know, there are times where when he when he's at his best, he's, he's a better player right now than Damone Clark. Yeah. I, so I feel like my issue right now is it's way too inconsistent, especially for a veteran. Like, like I know coaches definitely are going to, you know, have deference to veterans a lot of times, but I also feel like coaches have deference to consistency and not necessarily that Damone Clark's been the most consistent player when he's been out here, but man, I feel like I, I, I've got a, a better understanding of what to expect from Damone Clark on a snap to snap basis right now than Anthony Barr. There are times where he looks really good. And then other times where he looks like he's close to retirement. Yeah, that's uh, I, I call it a 50, 50 player. And, but you know, you're getting some of that from Clark right now. 50% mm-hmm. good, 50%, you know, maybe he needs to to learn a little bit more. I, I, I would keep him out there. I don't think he's killing you right now, but maybe it's opportunity where him and Barr can split a little bit more time and, uh, and, and he can learn and, and not fall behind in any way. What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Coming out of this game, uh, let's talk about the passing game a little bit. Did you feel better, worse, or about the same on Dak Prescott's performance once you got a chance to watch the tape? I felt like uh, I felt better. I I, I want to say this about about that the interceptions are tough. You know, uh, he felt like that when you watch the tape, Thibodeau was clearly in the neutral zone. The official to that side, the Cowboys sideline, did not call. Uh, lining up in the neutral zone or a neutral zone infraction. Uh, Dak thought he had a free play. Uh, Biotis snapped the ball thinking he had a free play. Dak throws the ball to the sidelines. The effort by Gallup was not great on the play. It's kind of like, well, you know, it's a free play anyway. Well, it really wasn't a free play. The, the second interception he threw, I see why he did it. They're in a cover two look. Safety's on the hash. And the safety split. The safety split and then kind of widened. So I see why he's trying to throw the ball inside. Holmes made a great play knocking it in the air. Ball wasn't in a good spot. The problem on the play, though, Bobby, was Tyler Smith had been driven back into his lap. And here's Dak Prescott coming off an injury where he throws a pass against Tampa. It gets hit on a helmet. And now he's out for several weeks. I could see the same thing. You know, and I'm not defending Dak here. I'm just telling you what the All-22, he couldn't step into his throw. And I don't blame him for not stepping into the throw, 
especially with Tyler Smith in his lap. You know, he's thinking like, here I am, I'm going to throw this ball. I'm going to have to extend and it's going to hit a helmet, a shoulder pad, a face mask. It's going to hit something. So the ball probably wasn't in the best spot it could have been. Uh, Holmes made a nice play. It's intercepted. But I think overall, when you look at the passing game, I thought that the protection overall was pretty good. We mentioned about Tyler Smith and some of the problems. The Giants brought a lot of blitzes this game. They had to pick up a lot of that. So I think the Cowboys did a pretty decent job with that and how they handled those particular plays. Uh, I, I, I feel like, though, that Dak was trying to do his best to get him in and out of some plays. Again, maybe the short week, lack of practice. Maybe it's like, Dak, here's the game plan. Uh, you know, run pass options and stuff. You know, check with me's at the line. Dak talking about dummy calls and stuff like that. I think Dak was really trying to get him in the best play possible, but I thought it was a, good, a really good game from Lamb, and I liked what they were able to get done with Gallup in that game. Gallup's starting to extend for more footballs than he has the first uh, first several weeks of the season. When you watch Dak on tape, you know, we've talked about this before that it felt like, at least to me, uh, I don't I don't want to speak for you or anybody else, but it felt like to me that after the calf strain, he had a little bit of injury PTSD where I think he 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 had concern about his own durability. And I think that he he you saw that in the way that he played in the second half of the season. I think that explains some of his hesitancy once the offensive line wasn't blocking as well for him. So far this season, just my own opinion, I'm, I'm curious if you see it the same way. I think he's playing fearless again. Like, I, I think he's moved past those sorts of concerns that that it seemed like we saw in the second half of last year. I think he trusts his body again, and then and, and he trusts his ability to get hit. Yeah, I, I think you're clearly on to something because there was a time in this game where, you know, they ran, uh, they ran the option play, and I thought he did a really nice job of setting it up. I thought he did a really nice job. I want to say this was in the uh, the second half and the drive that the opening drive in the second half. If I could get my notes here right, where he scrambled away, he avoids a sack. Yeah. Okay. It's mm-hmm. the it's the second play is starting the third quarter. They run Zeke for one, and so it's a second and nine. He avoids a sack. I mean, again, Thibodeau beats uh, Tyler Smith, and now it's. Okay, here we go. Dak, you know, he could have very well been sacked. That could have been like minus six right there. And then the next thing you know, you know, you're looking at a situation where it's, you know, third and 16 or third and 15 or whatever. But he beats the he beats the Thibodeau pressure, runs through escape, and then gets six yards on the play. Well, then the very next play, they hand the ball to Zeke. He bounces it to the outside. And who's blocking for him? Dak. You know, it's that play that bounce. He hands it to him. Zeke bounces yep. it to his left. And now it's a huge game. So, you know, they go from a potential disaster first drive coming out of the second half to, all right, now we're going to maintain the football and we're going to keep these things going. Any other uh, here as we just wrap this up before we go to the, the mailbag, anything else that really stood out to you or anything you really want to highlight based off of the tape that you saw? Yeah, they need to figure out a way to put Malik Hooker more to the side of Anthony Brown. And I think teams are going to continue to try and attack Anthony Brown down the field. Slayton should have had two catches that were huge 
against Anthony Brown. He missed the first one, caught the second one. Me personally, I think you need to think about putting a safety. If Hooker's going to play in the middle of the field, maybe shade him to the side of Anthony Brown so he can get over there quicker. I know I tweeted out in the game that I thought that Hooker was late. He wasn't late. It was a good throw. It was a good route. Anthony Brown just misplayed the ball in the air. And so, but, you know, if you shade Hooker to his side, maybe he could have a little bit better run to try and help him on some of those balls going down the field. You are listening to the Love of the Star podcast. The Love of the Star is an Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. 